far as the GA are concerned, in this matter, it's nothing to do with the individual teams. This is to do with the GAA protecting its own rules, protecting its own reputation. Subscribe to the OTB GAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Wednesday Night Rugby on Off The Ball with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Welcome along to Wednesday Night Rugby. Richie McCormack here with you tonight and I'm delighted to say joined on the line by Fiona Hayes. Fiona, welcome back to the show. Thanks a mil, Richie. Delighted nice, to be here. Nice to have you along. Rory O'Connor's in the studio as well. Rory, good evening. Hey, Richie. How's Fiona? Uh, we're good. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> You're one of these people like me who's just like, I'm, well, hello, I'm awake. How are yeah, you? Yeah, no. yeah, I'm stuffed to do. Um, Fiona, we'll start with Ireland um, because it feels like very much the Six Nations kind of things on the horizon now. Uh, squad are jetting off to a bit warmer the training before it all gets underway in Cardiff uh, just over a week's time. Um, it's a di- weird situation for on a number of levels squad wise where a lot of it seems harmonious and then you see situations like uh, the Bundyaki one at Connacht whereby and Keith Earls to an extent as well I guess uh, at Munster whereby you've got experienced players not getting game time in the lead up to the Six Nations it, it, I can't remember a situation like this before it doesn't seem like it's a massive worry but it's also a bit of an odd wrinkle in the lead up to a Six Nations yeah, um, look, it is, I think, especially the Bundy situation because, you know, he's, I suppose he's offered a lot. People still think he's in form um, and there's just a lot of questions about what's actually going on in the province there. So it's actually, I think that one's quite intriguing. I know the likes of Keith Earls and I'm sure Bundy's the same. You know, when you're involved in that squad environment, I think the Keith Earls in particular offers a lot and those guys, um, you know, it's not to say that they won't get game time, but it's it's having those heads around the squad. You can't just constantly be turning in new players. So I think they offer a lot, and especially key girls in that perspective. But the Bundy one is is, is kind of a, a funny one. You would imagine that there's something going on in-house. I mean, we know his disciplinary issues and he was back playing um, or he was fit to come back playing. And we just haven't seen him with Connacht. In saying that, both Connacht centres that took, that kind of went in and took that place for the last couple of games were really strong and one of them I suppose the uh, ex-under-20s you're looking at the future there as well Yeah uh, what's the latest on the Bunny situation because I know Andy Friend this week basically there were rumours circulating that he could be on his way to Munster in the close season Uh, where is his contract now because I know his last renewal was 2019 which took him up to the World Cup in essence but it it, there must have been an option in that because um, the most the only time they've gone public with a Bundy and Aki contract it brought him up to 2023 but now if you ask Connacht uh, or the RFU Del Teddy he's contracted until 2024 so they obviously there was an option to extend which someone has exercised along the way but wasn't made public but is is you know, if you ask the provinces, that's or if you ask provinces, they'll tell you he's there until then. Um, so Andy Frank came out yesterday and said he, he he absolutely will not be playing for Munster next season, which is about it as definitive. But we got to take him at face value there. Um, the rumor that he came, I don't know, was it just two and two or was there an inquiry? Made? I guess when you don't, when you hear that he's potentially unhappy, when you see he's not being selected, Munster probably put in a call as as you would because he's a very very good player who. Um, will contribute massively to Munster's squad and, and he's Irish qualified as well and he's on a national contract mm. we're not used to people on national contracts just being moved I suppose Robbie Henshaw is the only one I think when he got his national contract he went to Leinster but 
um, as it stands, he's a Connacht player next season. We don't know who the Connacht director rugby will be next season. We don't know who the Connacht mm-hmm. coach will be next season, and that's a big factor in this. Um, Bunyaki, if he is unhappy and he does want to move, can't go to who's there next year and go, well, where do I stand? He's talking to a, 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 co- a director of rugby who's moving on and is currently not picking him. Now, Andy Friend says, we'll send him to Ireland. We expect him to have a great Six Nations. When he comes back, he'll be in great form and hopefully will then contribute to Connacht. But um, he's trying to say there's no story here. But there is, you know, it's it's clear from everyone looking in that there's there's something not right within the Connacht setup in terms of where he stands because he's too good a player to be missing big games. Whatever about him being rested for Europe because they don't they're prioritizing the URC. He mm-hmm. was also rested for URC games. He's just being rested, and you hear that he's not quite fit enough. That his attitude has been off in training, um, and that's the kind of word ar- around him. And now he bounces into the Six Nations camp in in with a, an empty number twelve jersey, essentially because Henshaw's first choice. And he's fighting with Stuart McCluskey and Jamie Osborne for that number 12 jersey. And we don't yet know where he stands in that race. But his last time for Ireland, he came in after came in cold and, and won the game off the bench against Australia. So he's a huge amount of stock in, in that camp. Yeah. <clears throat> Fiona, would you have any concerns that a player who is under that level of scrutiny and has been on the outs for his province, whatever about the game time and the quote-unquote rustiness that might be involved, the headspace that's involved there, are you? would you be worried that that would be a corrosive element within an international setup coming from Connacht like that? Definitely. And I think, you know, I suppose the the thing is there is if it's attitude. I mean, nobody wants someone coming into a, a squad, especially because Andy Farrell's uh, done so well and he's coaching staff and building like, you know, such a great attitude in this squad. And we can see it and everybody's kind of in a positive place when we see pictures of them training and it just looks a very enjoyable atmosphere. So someone maybe not in the bed he- best headspace coming into that environment. I would definitely have huge concerns about that. But I would presume... Um, Bundy, he's the the utmost professional. I presume he's he's spoken to to Andy Farrell. He understands what's going on, and that would be one of the reasons he has picked. Obviously, he's played a lot of excellent games for Ireland, and that would stand him as well. But I know Andy Farrell would not be bringing someone in with with a bad attitude that might infect that camp, especially going over to that uh, sunny environment as well. Yeah, and you'd imagine like the left hand obviously knows what the right hand is doing as well, and there will be conversations you would presume between because everything's so interlinked in Irish rugby. Absolutely, yeah, no, there, there definitely will be, and and I, I'm sure Connacht were encouraged to pick him from time to time. But Andy Friend, I suppose, is out the gap at the end of this season, and is less beholden to the RFU than he would have been in his first uh, year when he was probably looking to sign players and and, and you know having there's a bit of horse trading goes on. And if he doesn't like it, at the end of the day, it's his job. It's his you know he gets to pick the team for Connacht, and, and he he has that choice. I would think, you know, Club Ireland has become this thing, you know, that, that it's a very settled camp. There's a lot of, Aki will be one of the senior players and Farrell, I think, trusts his gut when, when it comes to this stuff. And, and and Aki has been a key contributor in this environment over the course of the, the, the World Cup cycle. And I think Farrell would, would trust that once he links up with Ireland and, and pulls on that different shade of green, mm. he'll he'll be the player that he has been over the last couple of years. If he doesn't, he won't be there anymore. But I I think he's got a big role to play in the Six Nations, regardless of what's going on in Connacht. Yeah, Fiona, it does make things interesting in that centre partnership because um, we'll get on to Gary Ringrose's form, uh, which has been immaculate the last few weeks. But that number 12 jersey inside him is vacant at the moment with Robbie Henshaw's injury absence, with the rise of a Jamie Osborne, with the consistency to a degree of Stuart McCloskey as well and what he's done with Ulster in the last 12 months in particular, and with Bundy Aki. Um, we were talking on, on Monday night that there is a sense that it's there for Jamie Osborne to grab and given the nature of his relationship on the pitch that he's had with Gary Ringrose so far this season that he would be uh, a more than adequate option. 
uh, to throw yeah. in there against Wales. How do you view that centre partnership? Yeah, it's funny you're saying that and I, I would have, you know, a lot of time you, you kind of write McCluskey off at times well, people do in general and I just thought last weekend he was absolutely outstanding again. He'd uh, absolute monster performance and every time it's coming up to, to Irish games, you know, not that he doesn't do it week in, week out. He really makes you kind of look at his performance and say, why shouldn't he be in this Irish shirt? Mm. So although Jamie Osborne, you know, we've seen him, he's been absolutely immaculate for Leinster. He's he's getting better with each game. Um, he obviously doesn't quite have the stock yet, you know, at that high um, international level. So he's probably not there yet. But being in that environment, going into a World Cup cycle will absolutely push him on as a player. But if 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 Bundy isn't fit or is, if he isn't training to his best of ability, I'd have all my faith in McCluskey. He's absolutely doing a, a job for um, Ulster and week in, week out, we only notice it with Ulster when he's not playing the impact that he actually has on that team. And I and I think he should be given a, a couple of games, definitely Six Nations time to to prove his worth because he's he's just a brilliant, excellent player, I think. Is that is there a sense there from you, Fiona, that you don't necessarily see a quote unquote settled centre partnership for the duration of the Six Nations, that it is worth road testing a couple of these guys in different partnerships, in partnership perhaps with Gary Ringrose in the majority of senses, um, going yeah. down through these five matches? Yeah, definitely. I think Ringrose is it, to me has nailed on. I mean, he, he's he he just brings it every week, mm. and he he's getting better and better. He's so exciting to watch. His skill set, everything about him is just immense at the moment. But I think going into this, you know, into this cycle, we do need to see changes, um, changing up that centre. We've had um, World Cups in the past where maybe there's been injuries in the centre, and it's really affected an Irish team and and how they're playing. So I think if they can get mix that up a little bit in this six. Nations. It will make players, you know, stronger and we will see come World Cup time that there has been a couple of partnerships and see what works and what doesn't work. Uh, what's your depth ranking? One, two, three as regards McCloskey, Yaki and, and, and Osborne? Oh, put me on the spot. Um, well, I guess McCluskey's the incumbent. I think that counts for a lot. Um, I think Aki is a perfect number 23 for this Ireland squad and I think they've used them before and probably Osborne is the outsider. Um, so as it stands before they've had a day's training I, I think that's the way it stands going in but Farrell we have seen backs players who play, do well in training and, and if I was Jamie Osborne uh, going into that camp I'd be looking at what Mac Hansen did last year and came from pretty much nowhere to start the first Six Nations game of the season because of what he produced in training he w- just wowed them and they just went right we got to back He's, this, this kid is on a streak we've got to back him now Hansen was a little bit older, a little bit more experienced, and the position was less settled. But they've picked him in that squad partly for his experience, but also on basis of his form. He's playing very well. He's playing in a Leinster setup, which I think is a massive advantage because you're play- you've got Leinster players around you. Unfair as that is on McCluskey, so I think he's got a shot. And people, with, you know, former players are looking at this guy and absolutely raving about him. I, so I've heard some of the most effusive praise I've ever heard from the world of. Um, ex-player punditry about Jamie Osborne um, from some of the greats of the game that I've ever heard about any player so he's clearly very very highly rated he's in very very good form but McCluskey played well in November and started all three games so it's hard to it's hard to argue that he, he should be dropped um, I think he deserves to go into the week certainly before any, any training as the favourite mm. and I think they like Aki in that 23 jersey I think he gives them an awful lot off the bench Is Jack Crowley a, a consideration because when I looked at that Six Nations squad was named last week obviously the three out halves was the main standout and no Carberry but 
Crowley's been operating as an inside centre a lot for Munster in recent weeks. Mm. Is there a sense that he can cover there too and he is an option or is it that? I think I think if you put him in the 22 jersey he could play 12 off the bench. He could play 15 off the bench as well. I, I don't see... Ireland have never gone that way. They've always gone for a big powerful inside centre who can win gain line for you. Against Wales away from home I think that's what they'll want as well. You know, Henshaw is due back for France maybe definitely Italy in round in round three so th- this is this is a, an open question for a while but I think Henshaw barring a pretty strong performance in, in game one Henshaw will walk back into the team because he's he's so good maybe that's unfair but Henshaw is one of those players with huge status if he's training well he'll come back in Crowley like Carberry with the ability to move the full back offers you a lovely versatility off the bench and a chance to maybe change up what the opposition can see yeah. but I don't see him as a test 12 from the start I, I think Frawley is another one in that regard when he's fit but yeah I don't see him as a test 12 from the start I don't see them going that way they've never gone that way in this cycle Okay, Fiona why do those question marks persist over Stuart McCloskey if he has been so consistent and he has operated at such a high level and he has started all three November internationals why, why do people still kind of uh, cock their noses at him a little bit I suppose it's it's just looking at what what we've how inundated and lucky we've been at centres in the past and and the skill set they had of it. It's not that McCluskey isn't a skillful ball player. It's just that he offers you something a, a little bit different. He's he's physically dominant. He's um you know he gets you over the gain line. Um, his offloading game mightn't be viewed as the as what we see out of the likes of Henshaw or Ringrose. His footwork, I think he's worked on that to be honest in the last couple of seasons and. And, you know, Ulster supporters in particular really, really acknowledge that and really sing his praises in that department. We know physically what he can offer. But I think as as player uh, as players and fans, w- when we're looking on, he's one of those guys that you just know is is always reliable, always there, physically dominant, but probably doesn't offer you that little bit of X factor that you'd like to see in the centre. Mm. If he was playing for Leinster or Ulster or, Leinster or Munster, would we view him differently? Well, that's what the Ulster texters who are probably in and out us right now would say that. <laughs> and I do think look there is I, I, I think Ulster and Leinster get more coverage they're on primetime TV uh, down south more than, yeah. than Ulster will be They w- we certainly I think watch them more than we do Ulster I've always read Stuart McCluskey I, I thought he should have had more involvements under Joe Schmidt he's very, very unlucky to be um, playing in an era where Henshaw and Ringrose are playing and also there are a few signs Bundiaki to play for Ireland as well and he's been an ex- exceptional player for Ireland so um, he ha- he only won six caps I think over the course of, of nearly nearly a decade of, of playing and now he's suddenly because of uh, an opening came up through Aki's suspension and Henshaw's injuries in November he took his chance and, and he deserves as I said to be the, the, the incumbent coming in he did did a lot well in that in that November window but when you look at Osborne and the way he's playing for Leinster and the, and the 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 potential that's there, the speed at which he plays, he plays a couple of, he can play a couple of positions. You wonder whether he may accelerate beyond McCluskey over the next two or three years. But I suppose what we're really looking at is is the next six six to eight months. And he's got an awful lot of experience. He's a big game player for Ulster. He always shows up for them. He is he is the capacity to break a game open. He's probably the most like 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 for like with Henshaw in some ways. He he is a real like a real option for a live option for this game and, and definitely shouldn't be underestimated. Mm. Fiona, what did you make of Ulster at the weekend? They needed that win over Sale. They got it. Um, it was a, a hairy at times for them, but they got uh, the front five being changed towards the end. Then we saw the power from Dwayne Vermeulen too to to get that crucial try to to make it safe. Uh, in a few weeks where Ulster had obviously been found wanting in terms of mentality, this was a real stand up moment and show others what they're made of. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think it's what they needed as a squad, as a coaching staff. Um, you know, as you said, it was a bit hairy, probably not the prettiest rugby at times, but they're on the back of a good few losses and, and it's really, really stood up to them and they've now qualified, um, obviously, for the for the last 16 going forward. So it, it, it was a good day for, for Ulster Rugby. I think... Um, they'll obviously go back and review the game, but it, there's a lot less pressure on them going forwards. They have a powerful pack. We weren't seeing enough of them. We spoke early in the season about the mall and how powerful it was. They seem to have got a little bit of change in that game from that as well. So look, they've gone back to the drawing board and they ground out a victory. And I think that will absolutely stand to them going into the, especially into the Leinster game. The timing is always odd with these things, but Dwayne Vermeulen's had back-to-back great games for Ulster in a time when it looks like he's on the way out the door and, and Dave Ewers is going to come in next season in that position more or less yeah good for the show real when you're trying to get a contract for next season <laughs> if he wants to get, look he's what is he 37 he's yeah. vastly experienced who knows if he wants to go on but he has um, he has been important over the last couple of weeks I think it's probably the right time for them to move on from him and yours is a clever signing I think Jeff Tamaga Allen has made a big impact he, mm-hmm. very yeah. consistent yeah. yeah but he like he barely featured for, like they signed him he's an ex-All Black they signed him from Wasps and he barely featured for the first half of the season. I, I've, I've asked a couple of local journalists at times, well, what's, what's going on with this guy? And they were picking Tom O'Toole and Marty Moore ahead of him. And suddenly Marty Moore's out of the team. And for a couple of weeks, he was the only tight head in the, in the 23. And he's been absolutely, like week on week, it's an advertisement for playing games. He just looked really, really good at the weekend. He, he's dominating collisions. His scrum is good. Mm. What I liked most about Ulster at the weekend was the fact that they got held up twice over the line and we've been worried about their mental strength over the last while because mm-hmm. of everything that's gone on but they kept going and they kept going and they found a way and they found a way in a bit of style as well so there's um, they're in a really good position in the URC like they're 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 relatively safe there that yeah. they'll get to the playoffs and they've got a free shot against Leinster in a couple of um, in a month or two's time you know they, they can get themselves out of this you know the focus is now going to go to Ireland they, they won't be talked about in as much depth they can kind of Grow week on week, week week on week. Now they've got something to aim for, something to fi- you know, hope to finish strong and give Leinster a good rattle in a couple of months. Uh, speaking of uh, props, I'm really fascinated by this John Ryan situation at Munster, Fiona, because he has been immense for them, particularly in Europe over the last few weeks. And we're in this situation where he's heading off now to Super Rugby uh, after these European games, and uh, he's going to be missed in a way that I don't think anybody c- could have even possibly anticipated. He wasn't there at the start of the season. They brought him in after the collapse of Wasps. And he's proved to be brilliant. Could more have been done to keep him on board to kind of sweeten the deal and, and make sure that he was kept until the end of the season and perhaps beyond? Absolutely. Um, I've never seen John Ryan play such good rugby. I've always um, held him in high regard, but he's been absolutely outstanding since he he came back from Wasp. It was almost like he was trying to prove a point to Munster. Obviously, the the Chiefs came calling at the right time, and you know they he's not going to ever get probably a centre contract. I mean, Ireland aren't looking at him, so you're you're looking at uh, money being offered down locally, and probably the money wasn't there at that time to get him to stay. I think if if it was now, maybe you'd nearly be looking at trying to get him an extra couple of seasons because he's absolutely holding that scrum together. He was immense again at the weekend, and he's ball carrying ability. And I think the front row in general, I thought Killer was another guy who. 
who's who's really standing up and coming into a bit of form at the right time. But I'm certainly going to be very sad to see John Ryan grow. I know Andy Kiriaki spoke of uh, the depth there. And, you know, as a coach, obviously you have to back your young guys. And I think Salanoi is kind of the more games he's mm. getting under his belt. He is coming into a bit of form, but you always want to tight it around. That's kind of after the, the 30 mark, you know, that can really bring on these young guys that have been scrummaging for years and treat and teach them the tricks of the trade. So he's a huge loss to Munster, I think. He's been showing, like Fiona mentioned there, Ireland aren't looking at him. He has been showing international form throughout his European games. It's there is some talk that, that Munster have already made a move to bring him back at the end of the Super Rugby season and that would bring him into World Cup contention. And I think on current form, with a, with a season of Super Rugby under his belt, mm. he comes a live option then because he is... He has played under Andy Farrell. He was part of the setup uh, earlier on in the Farrell uh, regime. I think his last cap was maybe in July 2021. 20, uh, maybe it was a little bit earlier than that. I, I need to double check. But he has been involved and they kind of moved on from him. They went with the, They do go with this model of kind of two senior players and a junior player in a special position. So Tom O'Toole was brought in ahead of him. I think they always knew that Ryan was there. Van Grand didn't rate him as highly as Stephen Archer. And then when it came down to it, he didn't renew his mm. contract. He was told he, he was a surplus to requirements. I think if Roundtree had been appointed earlier and was doing the contracts, he would have kept John Ryan because he rates him very, very highly. Um, then he was brought back on very small money when, when the Munster was stuck and he was stuck and it was kind of a marriage of convenience. Yeah. They did offer him a deal. I don't think it was a very good deal. It's very rare an Irish province will be outbid by a New Zealand Super Rugby franchise. Um, he impressed a lot of New Zealanders on that Barbarians trip uh, in London a couple of months ago and the word got down to the Chiefs that there's a guy on the market who's really, really good and now he's gone off with his family to live in New Zealand for six months, which is an amazing thing to be able to do. So um, if it rounds off and I'm getting another Munster, a, a third a third act with Munster, he's earned it. I mean, no one spent for Cyril Boyle the way he did. I mean, that was... He could have earned himself a couple of contract offers from France as well, the way he played on Sundays. Um, it was really impressive. And it wasn't just the scrummaging. It was around the park. It was on the breakdown. It was his handling. He looked like he was ready to play. He looked like he he was ready to adapt to the new way Munster are playing, which is in line with the way Ireland play. And I think, you know, if you think that Tom O'Toole isn't getting his game for Ulster and has been a long-term project, but when it comes to the World Cup, we're not investing in anything anymore. We're just here and now. Yeah. He becomes a very live option for Ireland, I think, if he's if he's coming home and he's available. Yeah, can you see that happening, Fiona? I'd, I'd imagine you'd be pretty happy to see it happen, but can you see it happening? Yeah, I think never say never. And as Rory said, when it comes to kind of that end of the game, it doesn't matter who's a project player. It's going to come down to essentially as a tight end, it's going to come down to scrummaging, dominance, and your ball carry around the pitch. We know that that uh, Furlong offers that, but unfortunately, Bealham has stepped up a little bit as well this season. But behind those players, there hasn't the guys that have been given chance. No one has really put their hand up. So I wouldn't be surprised at all. And if Andy Farrell is keeping an eye on, you know. Know, everyone loves to watch the Super Rugby so I'm sure he, he will be keeping an eye on it himself mm, Sticking with Munster and of course Rugby and Off the Ball is with Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish Rugby team we all belong to the team of us uh, we had Matt Williams and Gordon Darcy on Monday Night Rugby Fiona and they were talking about Joey Carberry's performance at the weekend and how he looked like obviously he's, he's going to be front and centre for them in the next few weeks with players away in international duty and, and he's obviously not uh, for obvious reasons he, Matty was saying that he appeared to have the weight of the world on his shoulders last weekend how did you feel he got on? 
he'd weighted the world and he'd weighted to lose on his shoulders as well. It's not the it's not the ideal game to be going into um, with that pack coming at you. Um, yeah, look, it's it's it would have been better for him as a player, I think, to have a, a different game after the announcement. Um, I obviously you're like I didn't see much wrong with his performance. I think he's been protected now a little bit um, by Roundtree. He's he's changing things up early. He's giving him um, he's getting him off the pitch a bit earlier because he's he's given Crowley and other guys and Healy a chance um, to to play some rugby as well. He looked he looked like the weight of the world was on his shoulders, but it was a very very hard twenty first twenty twenty five minutes for Munster. Um, I, I I felt like um, the game plan wasn't um, wasn't good going well the the line speed of Toulouse they were coming up they were really dominant and there wasn't much options outside him I think they sorted that out as the, as the game went on and obviously when Healy came in he gets um, a lot of praise for how he played but I, I think it's going to take Joey um, a couple of weeks if he can get the start and Bennett on I think it will be a good game for, for him to play um, he can he can relax a little bit and it will be that way going forward it, it's a funny old game because you're, you're talking about guys that you know are left out of squad and I thought Tim and he, you know, a lot of people didn't speak about him maybe not making the Six Nations squad. He might have been in the best form for Ulster. Ulster on the back of a few losses, but he was a guy that, that put his hand up again at the weekend. I know we're, we're inundated with back rows, but he put his hand up and said, hey, don't forget about me because maybe Prendergast is, is injured. We don't know what way that will go going forward. So I think Joey it will need a couple of games, but whatever Andy Farley said to him, um, I'm sure there's a lot of pressure because all you can think about, I would imagine, in that position is you're forgetting about the Six Nations now and you're just looking at how am I going to make that World Cup squad and it's all dependent on the team around you playing well as well. Mm, whatever about his his natural talents as a as a footballer you want to see in, these, in this period that he has the mental strength to cope with being left out and being the man on whose shoulders Munster are building these next two, three weeks. Yeah and he, and he has he's never been under more pressure for his place because Jack Crowley's off with Ireland but Jack Crowley is being left on at the clutch moments of games when he when he's not so he now knows that he has a real rival and whatever protection being in Ireland uh, starting you know in the 23 for Ireland gave him in the Munster setup is now gone that that Munster can probably pick freely when it comes to um, Crowley versus Carberry so he needs to be the top guy in Munster he needs to be the best performing out which is the way it should be in every squad if he's the best out half in Munster and he's producing it on a week on basis then he'll keep his place but he's never um, he's never had this level of pressure put on him he's never been under the scrutiny he's he's been a good news story apart from his injuries which you know I wouldn't discount at all but you know think of like he made his debut in Chicago he's beaten the All Blacks five times he's um he he has closed out big games for Ireland. He's rode a wave and he's been quite consistently picked in the number twenty two jersey for Ireland for what is it six years? Six yeah. years when it when fit. Now I would admire Joey Carey's mental strength in terms of the way he's come back from his injuries. He has had career threatening injuries and that shouldn't be um, disregarded in any way. But this is a different challenge and I, I, I he needs to f- he needs to find out what he is again and maybe he needs to look or go to. Munster because Ben Healy is also available and go give us a few games of 15 see how I go there because maybe Leinster were right all those years ago maybe it is his position maybe like, there's a lot of pundits out there who think that um, he should be playing at 15 that he's that w- it would suit his game far better and, and he needs to be realistic like if he plays well there well he becomes a live option there because Ireland don't have huge depth there either so mm. uh, he needs to he's a lot of thinking to do but he can't think too much he needs to perform against Benetton he needs to be ready because all it takes is one injury. He's back in. I think. I, I do think he, he hasn't fallen that far. It's a quite a, 
quite a big fall he's taken but he he needs to be ready to bounce back and he needs Andy Farrell to regain some trust in him because when I, when he hears Andy Farrell effusing about Ross Byrne in the way that he did at the Six Nations launch on Monday well that would set alarm bells off for me if I was Joey Carberry because suddenly Ross Byrne is the flavour of the month and um like Andy Farrell's barely mentioned Ross Byrne's name for three years and suddenly he's waxing lyrical about everything he does that he's got momentum behind him Ross Byrne and Carberry's fallen fast you can understand why there's probably a couple of elements to that and I don't think Andy Farrell's one of these people that I don't think he ever says anything by accident and I don't think no, he ever yeah, says anything yeah. without uh, a bit of thought behind it and I think one of his thoughts behind it possibly will be to, to light a fire under Joey Carberry's bone oh I think yeah that's part of it but it's so close to the World Cup that I think this this is not I've heard people say that, that, that this is kind of a, a message to Carberry that he needs to but it's so close to the World Cup I don't think you do it I think if you are going to do that you would have done it in November I think he's lost some faith and that Fiji game in November in particular when you hear about what he talked about with Ross Byrne and how he came on uh, against uh, the Ospreys and calmed everything down and he's he had this I got this kind of feel that he has the fact that he's playing closer to the line all the stuff that he criticised Ireland for and Fiji was being um, you know not playing fast enough not imposing themselves on the game and that, I think that cost Carberry an awful lot and he's lost ground in that regard now he just needs to perform for Munster to try and regain that ground and be ready if the if the opening comes up again but there's no guarantee at this point there's only 8 more games 8 more Ireland games until the World Cup Yeah. does that, does that being a jack of all trades then Fiona or trying to become one and maybe operating a full back does that work in his favour or does that dilute what he's good at and what he can offer through the Ireland setup? Um, sometimes it can, but I don't think so in in this case. I know people talk about him at, at fullback. Um, I think for me, he, he he's been playing a lot of rugby at ten. Um, he doesn't look like a confident enough tackler at the minute. If I had him as my last man tackling in in that line, so like if that's the way you're looking at, it, if you were going that way, you'd have to get him game time at that. So I think in in Andy Farrell's, he he's only looking at Adam at a ten, and it's a basic thing of form. He've lo- he's looked at the form. He hasn't liked what he's seen from Carberry. He's obviously spoke to him to to go away and and fi- and fix a few things. But I agree, with Rory. I don't think it's as easy as that as as it is just to light a fire up someone. I actually I actually think he's putting his trust into Ross Byrne. And, w- and what's to say Ross Byrne comes on and 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 kicks a couple of penalties against France and England to win the big games I mean you can't then not have him involved when it comes to summertime so it's taking it out of Carberry's hands essentially he's saying you, you're you lost now in the pecking order so look I, I I think if he can play and play consistently at 10 which he hasn't even been doing for Munster it, it, it might make a difference but I, I personally don't think I think it's gone past that 15 um, 10 debacle I think yeah. you're just looking at him as a, as a, a people are looking at him as a 10 and he's just not informed. It's mad how things work out. You kind of think of that cheekbone injury suffered by Jonathan Sexton and that opportunity to have a run of games for Ross Burr maybe doesn't come about uh, and doesn't necessarily get the stamp his his, his impression on, on Andy Farrell the way he has done in recent weeks. Uh, that kind of weird element of kismet that's involved in this. Yeah, and it, it adds to it. I think one of his biggest moments, I suppose, was that kick against Australia. I think you just saw what he's like under pressure when you're going into to big uh, a big World Cup that you that you are potentially favourites or up there favourites in the top four anyway of of winning a World Cup. I think it's those guys you start to look more and more towards the safe bets, the kicking options because a lot of those big games will come down to three, maybe two points in it. So it's it's those guys, and I think he's kicking form although he's playing great around the park I think it's he's kicking from tea that's really kind of got sewn it into Andy Farrell that he should be involved in the squad 
I don't think you can underestimate how important that kick was. And if you think about, I mean, you mentioned luck in terms of Sexton breaking his cheekbone. Mm. Sexton was down to play that day, did his ham, hurt, hurt his hamstring or his calf in the warm up. Jack Crowley gets called mm. up. Ross Byrne had no family in the stadium. He wasn't supposed to be in the squad that week. He wasn't <laughs> supposed to be in the match day 23. Suddenly he's coming off the bench against Australia and he just says, I got this. And he nails it. And that was a tough, tough kick and a tough, yeah. tough night. And I just think he rocketed both his confidence because he felt like he'd had a raw deal with Ireland before that. His confidence rocketed from there, but also the coach's faith in him. And now everything he does is seen through the prism of him coming into that game and, and nailing that kick. And you know, I, I'm I'm more and more convinced he's going to be on the the bench against Wales in, in two weeks' time. So you're going with Sexton and, and, and Ross Bourne. What did you make of Leinster last weekend, uh, Fiona? It's hard to it's hard to gauge when their form is so imperious. It's what sixteen wins out of sixteen. They're playing against Racing. Essentially, they're already through. They all all they had to do is win. Uh, I say all they had to do, but all they had to do is win to secure home passages in 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 the knockout phase. Uh, there doesn't seem to be any stopping them. But is there any concern that you would have for Leinster throughout the knockout phase of the Champions Cup? It's it's that age old question, isn't it? You're looking at them and they're winning the games. Um, you know they're quite dominant when it comes to the end of the games. You know that you we, maybe a sluggish start at times, or or maybe things aren't going to plan, but they seem to grind out these games and get a really good victory in the end. Um, I think McBride even said himself. I think you're looking at maybe tightening up that scrum and mall defence area. Um, I, I've said it a couple of times. Um, without furlong, they're a different animal in the scrum. Um, and that's no dis respect to anyone that's going in there it's just he's absolute world class and he can anchor any scrum for you and they come under a bit of pressure even with him there against the big French packs so I, I think we're seeing it against a big pack that maybe that's an area that need to tighten up and definitely their mall defence wouldn't be up to to scratch if you were if you were mm. coaching them because it's an area teams are looking at these games and, and all they want to think and the same as any team but is where can we punish where can we punish Leinster we saw Larry Rochelle do it we saw Saracens do it so they know that there's uh, almost like they, even if they'll have the run of home games they know that every single team is going to be scrutinising them down to a tee and if they can polish up those areas there's no one get anywhere near them What did you make of them last weekend? Like there's clear vulnerability there and it's hard to focus on the vulnerability because they're so strong in so many areas and they're so impressive and they win so well but if you're La Rochelle or Toulouse who they will beat down the line they're just clipping all this stuff up and they're going, right, let's put this in our back pocket because when it comes to the big games and when Leinster are under pressure, we know that we can get them at scrum. We know we can get them at mall. We know we can slow them down. I thought Luke Fitzgerald made a good point on the Left Wing podcast last night where he said the things that Leinster are really good at are the hardest things to execute on when you're under pressure. So those p- pinpoint accurate back, play- back, back moves in a final are harder to do whereas if you're good at the mall the mall is much easier to execute that you know because it's you, you drill it every day you know there's, there's less moving parts in it the scrum if you're a really good scrummaging team it's easier to get that right on the big day than it is to get right some of the things that Leinster are doing so I think as the pressure comes on through the knockout phases it will be harder for them to execute the things that are so good at and it's one of the re- it was one of the best explanations I've heard of why Leinster have struggled to, to maintain what they do so well through the season into the knockout stages you know they've only won European Cup in ten years. Um, it came in the hammering rain in Bilbao by three points, and they nearly let it slip at the end. Mm. They have never been able to turn what they do across the season into finals rugby. Like last year was the closest they came in terms of they marched through and they beat good teams along the way. 
but when it came to it La Rochelle stayed in the fight they slowed down their ruck ball they dominated in the contact they unleashed Antonio and, and Skelton together and they won the won the fight at the, at the last minute and I don't think La Rochelle or Toulouse for all that the French media is focusing on them being in Dublin through the whole tournament and that it will be a big advantage I think they'll all have enough and Leinster showed their hand an awful lot across the season um, they'll, they'll have enough evidence there to think we can build a, a, a compelling enough game plan that can get Leinster in the end again and it's up to Leinster to counteract that because it's really it's very harsh to say it but it's not good enough that they're this good during the season and they're not winning trophies at the end of it I know that, that they have been the URC um, top dogs apart from last season for a couple of years but they expect to win European Cups and, and with Lancaster going and Saxon going at the end of the season they really need to deliver on, on this and part of it's luck because they have a big Six Nations to come and a lot of players involved in it and if, if they lose a couple of bodies like Ringrose Van der Fleer Sexton Furlong a couple more you could name that it will undermine their chances um, but yeah I think like they're brilliant but they've got to be brilliant at the final they got, they can't let this yeah. slip now Yeah winning 16 matches between September and January is one thing Fiona but you know ultimately as Rory says it's they're not nobody will remember this period if they come away with another season empty handed Absolutely, and it's only the stars and the shirts people remember really when you're when it's a few years after you know seasons. I couldn't tell you how many games uh, Munster won in those uh, in those big Heineken Cup years. I just know that they they got that star and and kicked on. So it is very important, and they know that as well. And they hundred percent know that these teams are trying to counteract that, and they're looking at slowing down their ball. And you know they just have to be precise in that. I feel like the home advantage this year will be massive to them. But exactly that you're looking. At an Irish team dominated by Leinster players playing a Six Nations um, that might be playing all five games. Um, so you, so you're looking at maybe losing a couple it, it, through injury. Hopefully not, but that could happen, and that would really we speak about their depth. But as I've said, with the likes of Furlong on, you're looking at Sexton. They they have the guys to come in behind them, but when it gets to final times, are they are they able to stand up in finals? But look, that's what it's about. It's about seeing that, and they've definitely built a depth in their squad. Uh, Fiona, I wanted to touch on the the women. Interpro which wrapped up uh, at the weekend as well with Munster winning back-to-back titles um, a fantastic achievement for them for sure um, the only fear that I had looking at it was that throughout the course of the three weeks that things seemed a little bit lopsided is there any way that that, that can be rectified going forward or will that be an area of concern for the IRFU or is, is this the way we'll have to kind of grin and bear it for the next couple of seasons um, no, obviously I was involved on the coaching staff. Look, like we went in focused with every game. Um, what I will say is that what I noticed this year, there's a couple. Obviously, there's a couple of stalwarts on both Connacht and and and, Len- and Ulster. What I have noticed is that they're a young team and, mm. they, and they seem to be building. There's a lot of young wingers, centers, especially in the back line. I, I've noticed in both their back lines. So look, I don't think um, it's only about two seasons ago or maybe three seasons ago now that we were that Munster lost to Connacht. So they they have the ability uh, to do that. Um, obviously, I, I, I personally personally think if you could if you could do it with um if you could have a semi-final maybe add another couple of games so to have a semi-final that leaves the cobwebs ironed out in those first three rounds and you can get and you can change a couple of things so I'd love to see a semi-final and final but I don't think it's worrying at all um as I said I was involved I was at all the games I've watched back all the games I think the the standard is getting higher and higher and and to be honest with you a lot of people might not thought Munster might retain this uh trophy mm. especially because um you're looking at UL Bowes um, who would have been quite dominant and they're not so dominant in the league anymore but it just goes to show that the talent is still down there and I think it's the same in the other um, 
uh, provinces as well. They just maybe need to get a bit more game time, these young kids coming through. Yeah, I think that the fact that there does seem to be a consistent level of top quality rugby between the Interpro series, which now morphs into the combined provinces being involved in the Celtic Cup and then you're into Six Nations period. The fact that there is a through line through all of these from you know, the start of winter into the deep into the spring can only act as a positive for, for these players going forward. Absolutely, though. I have to get my my daily wins across. I, I'm absolutely raging that um, Munster have only got eight players uh, picked on this uh, on this squad. You know, I, uh, winning back-to-back Interpros and to just pick eight out of 42 is, is absolutely baffling to me. Look, um, I, I couldn't understand that, but I but I do I do think the talent that's going up to this um, this combined promises. I think it's an absolute this Celtic Cup. It's a great idea. Um, he's picked a lot of youth, obviously, up there, and it will be good for them to be training that high performance um, environment and I think it will just add to the game going forward and obviously the cup is going on then in the IL outside of these games mm. which flows directly into the Six Nations um, for the for the senior internationals girls so look it is an exciting cup to come in um, it's I suppose where they're going to have to look now is the the interpro series. I thought the rugby was excellent, and I suppose you're you're not getting the same level of rugby at times in the AIL. So they need to see how these players can be able to play that high level of rugby, be it interpro level, be it a club level, and they and they caught the league. But they, I think, the more they play that high level, we'll see the standards getting higher and higher. Yeah, it seems to have. It seems to be working. To a degree, it's it's just going to be needing tweaks from this point onwards. I guess well, it's very early. I think yeah. I think Fiona's right. I, th- I think we want to see the best players playing games of high quality, and that really should be the the be all and end all. Um, the combined provinces thing is 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 a one year thing, I think. And Fiona can correct me if I'm wrong. And then it will go to two teams, and eventually they want to have the four provinces playing in this competition. They want to have the four provinces strong enough to go back to your first point that they're able to compete because I think Leinster and Munster are far stronger than Connacht and Ulster. Ulster haven't won a game in an awful long time. Um, you know they they were you know drawing from the you know they only had one team in the AIL this season they were one of the bottom teams in the AIL there's there are, there are still lots and lots of structural and governance things I wouldn't start I, I wouldn't be be ready to say yet that everything is fixed but look there's a plan there's there's buy into the plan there's players training at a very elite level we still have players in England so we've done a very many forwards contracted for the Ireland team there's there's still hoops that we have to jump through to get there but. I thought the product was good. I thought it looked good on TV. I thought the rugby was good. Um, there was good stories behind it. it. It penetrated the national media. It needs to get a bit more. I think more games would do that. So yeah, there's, there's. It's definitely an improvement. Um, we didn't have any rats in changing rooms or anything like that. You know, it, you know like all this. It was such a negative story last year. It's good that it was a positive story this year. Even the two players getting engaged, like that was a lovely story. It just showed how different women's rugby is to men's rugby in a, in a really positive light. So. Um, Hopefully the combined like I don't know how the combined provinces is going to get any oxygen in the next couple of weeks with the Six Nations on. That's going to be very difficult to sell it. They've launched a very nice kit today. They need to do a lot of promotion and media around it. Even the fact they didn't come up with a, a creative name beyond combined provinces oh, might have you know against the Welsh development team. I mean, there's not a very attractive proposition in terms of selling tickets. There's a big tickets. bang of placeholder about this year's it, yeah, yeah, yeah. But look, it's it's progress it's based it's progress based on what or sorry on what we've had before there's a there's a there's a competition there's a you know there's a direct line between the AL into the provinces into the combined provinces into Ireland that makes sense on from a high level whether it makes sense on a day-to-day level the coach you know people involved like Fiona can can kind of elaborate more but um you can see the thought process and that 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 is positive 
Fiona, one final question. Is, is everybody going to, who was involved around that huddle, around the engagement, are they all going to manage to get invites to the wedding itself? <laughs> I think I am because I stole the show. There was a picture <laughs> up and I, and I was crying. They caught me crying in the corner that was released by Munster Rugby. I've never had so many, uh, so much abuse from all the girls because it, it cost me right at the horrible moment. But I, I've grown up coaching them in bows and I've known them my whole life. So it was lovely. Um, yeah, I think they both have good jobs. So they'll have to splash out now and fight <laughs> all of us. I think it has to be done. Uh, that will be some hooli for Claude and for Chloe as well. There's no doubt about that. Uh, congratulations on the interview pro win as well Fiona and thanks so much for joining us this evening and uh, Rory thanks as well for coming in that has been Wednesday Night Rugby Cheers guys